So our bus is broken down on the side of the road. This is after having already been told that our first bus was cancelled. <laughs> um, I have no clue where we are. We're somewhere in Palawan. Nick, any clues? Yeah, we're on the North National Highway and we're near a river. And I just paid five pesos to take a piss. <laughs> That's fine. Welcome to the Philippines. <laughs> Gab, that was a very big day. One of, one of the longest days we've had in the Philippines, mostly because we spent the majority of it on the side of the road. How long do you reckon we were stuck there for? I have absolutely no clue. In fact, I think I stopped counting hours, um, but never did I ever think I'd have to hitchhike my way through Palawan. Should you need to do it again, though, you know exactly how to get from A to B. I'm never doing that again. Hello, my name is Nick King. My name is Gabby Lyons, and this is Where Are You Taking Me? And our first episode from the Philippines. We're in Caron in the Philippines, which is the very far north of Palawan, and we need to make this snappy because our visa is running out in less than 48 hours. We've got a flight to catch to move on to our next country, but we've got so much to share with you. Gab, there's 7,107 islands in the Philippines. We managed to get to 12 of them in a month. Rather than give you a shopping list of all the places we've been to, have a look at our Instagram account at Where Are You Taking Me Pod. We've got a map there with a cute line that goes everywhere we've been. Which island was your favourite? Okay, so I know you told me to prepare for this question. And you haven't. I haven't. I've managed to get it down to two. First of all, Camigin. Camigin was this island that I'd never heard of, and we had other travellers recommend it to us, so we thought got a couple of days spare let's give it a go and lo and behold it was like entering jurassic park there were seven volcanoes on the island we hiked one of them which i don't recommend anyone should do at two o'clock in the afternoon it's too hot it's too hot this island has so much volcanic activity apparently there is an earthquake even if you don't feel it every single day it's more fun than it sounds much more fun than it sounds <laughs> and then secondly i'd have to say sikior sikior was just there's no way to describe it. The people were incredible. The food was wonderful. It was just the biggest surprise when it came to island hopping. Sikio was just wonderful. Sikio is actually a very interesting island. A lot of Filipinos won't visit the island because they think they associate the island with black magic and voodoo and spiritual healers. It's essentially a no-go zone for a lot of locals. We weren't sure whether to believe that or not, if it was actually going to be true. So once we arrived, we started asking around to find out if it was legit. Island of Fire, Island of Fire is Island of No Return. Isla del Fuego means Island of Fire, just because of the air glue of the firefly. It's famous all over the world, like, it's a witch island. Secure is a witch island. Man. A witch island. So where does that voodoo culture come from, though? From a witch, yeah. There are witches? Yeah. Now? Still? Yeah, there are still, there are still, um existing but anyways we are promoting about healing the healing yeah. we're on the good side we're not on the bad side the healing is famous now here do the healers accept modern medicine or no that's why the pharmaceutical company now are afraid of that one because you know we but now secure people are way back on the nature now okay so they don't work together yeah no no, no. sometimes you no know, if like uh, the medication from the healers doesn't go to the hospital like okay. more on but so, every every day daily we have a lot of herbs. If you are if you are pregnant, you need to go to a hospital to have an, an ultrasound. Yeah. Just to see the position of the baby. Here, you don't need to go to hospital or, or to make a, have an ultrasound. The healer just only touch yeah. your, your your tummy. Then the healer knows 
what happened to her baby inside. The difference is doctors study for how many years, but the healers study when they are, they are given a, a assignment, I, I, I think by the, by the holy power of the Holy Spirit like that. So what is the difference? Because there's three types of healers. There's there are many. Many. Yeah. So what is the witchcraft on Sigiyor? Like, what is the witchcraft rather than the healing? The witchcraft is all about like uh, making like um, the needle mm -hmm. and the voodoo doll. The voodoo. So it is a voodoo doll. Yeah. So Sigiyor wow. is a voodoo island. And that still happens now. That's a secret. It's a secret. Yeah. You want to try? No. <laughs> Okay, so it sounds like it's a real deal. It was just up to us to go and find these people, these shaman or witch doctors or healers, whatever you like to call them. Nick, this is something I was really apprehensive about. As soon as we found out exactly what these healers do, and there are a couple of different styles of healing, so to speak, between sound healers, faith healers, pulse healers, I just felt a little bit intrusive. I didn't know if rocking up as a tourist was appropriate because these are spiritual healers that have been such a major part of the culture on Sikiyor for hundreds of years. To be honest, I didn't put too much thought into it, Gab, because I didn't think we were going to find anyone. <laughs> the only instructions we were given were to hire a scooter, head inland about 20Ks, and just ask around. And we haven't even discussed the fact that when we got there, one of us is going to have to go through some sort of voodoo ceremony. I don't know how we decided who was going to put their hand up for that. And you managed to sit yourself down in that chair, Nick. Yeah, lucky me. And what is your name? Annie Ponzi. San Antonio Sikihor, Sikihor. <laughs> and how long have you been practicing? I start for healing in 13 years old. Now I'm 49. My Lola, grandmother, grandfather, uh, and also my father-in-law is the healer also, and my father. This is not at all a place that I would have picked. There's nothing spiritual in this room. It's brightly coloured. Then at the very back of the room, there are very garish, decked in sequin St. Vincent dolls and Mary, the Virgin Mary, and then a crucifix coming out of a garish gold frame. Now, I don't really know what I expected, but this was almost certainly nothing like I thought I was signing up for. Yeah. Your back is hard. Yeah. Sometimes your back is hard and also... He cannot go sleeping. Wow, spot on. <laughs> All of the glass bottles in the room have little stickers of Jesus on them as she's pouring them into a bowl. A bowl that's full of coal and fire that's being dusted under Nick's seat, releasing smoke while she whispers a really small prayer. Nick has got a big flannelette rug over him and the room is filling up with smoke very quickly. You drink the herbal tea because you are the gosh. Yep. That hurt? Yep, that was painful. Really? She has really strong hands. <laughs> but she was rubbing a, some sort of herbal ointment into my chest and also right under my shoulders, right up sort of to the edge of my armpit at the front. And really digging. I was wincing on the chest and just almost begging her internally to go to the opposite side, which she did, and then I begged her to stop altogether. That was 
unexpected uh, between that and the smoke which was quite nauseating and that smoke that was kind of filtering from under the chair was staying under the blanket which was incredibly hot anyway I don't know how hot it is here today but it's very very hot and humid then to have that smoke pumping up it was very nauseating what did you just drink? It was a herbal tea, which is going to help my stomach problems. It's not the great taste. <laughs> but apparently, now you have no demons. Now you'll be out of sleep, and you just have to drink herbal tea. Oh, great. You feel the pulse of the people when they walk in? I, I feel this one. I diagnosed in the falls uh, about your problem or bad spirit or any for the stress or he cannot go sleeping that one and what is in the oils there's lots that, of that is, uh, the oil mm -hmm. there is a uh, 200 different kind herbs that is good against bad spirit and bad elements and like for the itchy skin disease yeah. and skin problem i put the charcoal and like for the problem for bad spirit and bad elements like a budo yeah. That is a uh, good poor help also for remove or against uh, against bad spirit. That is good for remove in the bad luck, and that is a good luck. Thank you very much for okay. helping. Um, what I'm, is your name? My name is Gabrielle. Gabrielle. Yes. Oh, <laughs> the name of a uh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> Gab, I learnt so much from Annie that day. Most importantly, though, you have a boy's name. <laughs> The amount of people throughout the Philippines that have said, oh, like the boy. Like the boy. <laughs> like the boy. Gabrielle, like the boy's name. <laughs> Nick, most importantly, though, have you been healed? Have you slept better? <laughs> That's a no. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think so. Okay. I, I don't want to discredit their, their skill or talent or culture in any way. But I've been a bad sleeper for a very, very long time. And I, I don't think it's going to be solved in a 15-minute session. Maybe mm -hmm. if I went and saw her a few times over a number of weeks, mm. things might have come good. But um, short-term, no. How about your back? No, I'm, I'm carrying 20 kilos around with me at the moment, <laughs> almost every single day. Have you been drinking your herbal tea? I've been drinking something. It's not herbal tea, though. Okay, mostly beer? Mostly beer. Not yeah. the same. I believe my instructions are clear. Guests bound for Manila, let us begin. For our first question, life vests can be found A, inside the overhead bin, B, on top of your chair table, or C, under your seat. Alright, congratulations. Correct answer is under your seat. That is the sound of an airline that doesn't provide in-house entertainment, but does actually want to provide in-house entertainment. We didn't even raise our hand once. We could have won a plush aeroplane, Nick. We flew with this particular airline maybe three or four times throughout the Philippines. Every time they played a fun trivia game, and I think three of the four flights we took with them, they were the same trivia questions, but we still didn't win anything. <laughs> Getting around the Philippines, though, is super interesting because they've got a number of different transport methods you're not going to find anywhere else in the world, mm. including the jeepney. They, they look like an old bus, don't they? They look like something out of Blade Runner. Yeah. They're brightly coloured, giant rustic metal headlights on the front of them. They don't look like they should still be driven around, if I'm honest. They might look like they're about to fall apart, but most of the time they were the cheapest way to get around the Philippines. Yeah, you can't miss them either. Most of the drivers tend to pimp them out like it's a competition between each other. They put big flames or colours and stuff on the sides, but yeah, definitely the cheapest way to get around if you see them, jump on board, 
or the next best option is probably your tricycle, mm. which is like a motorbike with a sidecar which fits two foreigners or four Filipinos, and that's usually pretty cheap A to B as well. Not to mention, the drivers are usually pretty cheeky. They're likely to give you a couple of tips on where are the best places to go as well. They're just really friendly. If you've got the confidence, scooters are heaps of fun. When we went up to see Annie, uh, we jumped on a scooter and headed uphill. If you haven't got experience riding one, maybe jump on one by yourself, have a bit of practice, go very slowly until you get a feel for it. Be careful because people stack these all the time. We mm. we met a couple at one point in the Philippines. We met them later on and they'd had an accident and ended up having to go home. Mm. So if that's your preferred way of getting around, just be sensible. Mm. The price of the scooter does vary as well between each island, so don't think if you can get it cheaply in Camagin, it'll be the same by the time you get to Coron. That's just not the case. But I think for the most part, we were able to hire them at a daily rate of about 2 200 pesos, which is, what, just shy of 10 bucks a day? Yeah, it's pretty good value for money. Getting around the islands, I reckon ferries are probably your best bet. You can also fly, but it's usually more expensive. Ferries are very frequent. They can get you to some of the more remote places. The only thing you've got to be careful of is the cost. When you buy your ticket, that isn't exactly the entire price you're going to pay. Bring change is probably the most important thing to remember if you're going to a terminal. Because you will come up against a terminal fee, an environmental fee, a government fee, a baggage fee. Goodness, is that, is that all the fees? There's a municipal fee at one place. Do you remember that one ferry? And it was on a Sunday. We got on it and there was a fellow who was quite well dressed. He was wearing a suit, which is really unusual because it's so hot there. But he had all these boxes with him. That's all he had. It must have been about half a dozen boxes, maybe eight boxes. And they were full of chickens. Yes, the feathers were coming out of the edges of all the boxes. There were holes for breathing, and I think the entirety of that boat trip, they were crowing from the back deck. Now, we thought that was pretty unusual, but on a Sunday, it's not that unusual to see chickens everywhere in boxes and bags being transported, because every Sunday afternoon, no matter where you are in the Philippines, there's an event that occurs that, well, in, in Western nations, it's more or less frowned upon, but in the Philippines, it is a big deal. We're talking about cockfighting. It's a huge tradition in the Philippines. Every Sunday in the morning, the families go to church. In the afternoon, the men go to the cockfights. And if you're unfamiliar with it, it's two chickens uh, placed in a ring. They have very large blades strapped to their feet. They fight to the death and men gamble over the result. Just a warning, we are about to take you inside of a cockfighting arena. This is not something that either of us expected to be visiting whilst in the Philippines, nor something that we support, nor did we gamble whilst we were in the arena. But for some listeners, it may be a little confronting. So it's just cost us 100 pesos to get in, which is probably more than I was expecting. Yeah. Um, Alright, well, we're sort of in the loading area at the moment. Do you want to head into the actual arena and have a look? Follow you. <laughs> The very first thing you notice when you enter the cockpit arena is the intensity of the crowd. If you've ever been to see a boxing match, it's pretty much the same thing. There's a ring that's in the middle, sits maybe two metres high, and surrounding it there are tiers of concrete lined with plastic chairs. Each chair, there's a man sitting in it for the time being, but soon he'll be standing after the match begins. There's yelling, there's arms waving, there's men with satchel bags taking bets. I couldn't even describe to you how the betting system works because, in my opinion, it's pure chaos. 
the majority of men that are here are on their feet placing bets and the ones that aren't are standing on the floor their faces are pressed right up against the glass of the ring they're looking at the chickens which are being provoked against each other in the hope of raising the bets even higher The chaos inside the arena only stops as the match is about to begin. The two men holding their chickens in the ring, they remove the sheath off the blade that's attached to the chicken's foot, and it starts. There's kicking, there's rolling all over each other, the feathers are flying, the wings are flapping. The whole fight is over in 37 seconds. We've been in the cockpit arena now uh, for no longer than I think it was absolutely necessary to get our story. How do you feel? You were more apprehensive than I was going in. Um, the fight itself I found really uncomfortable, not only because I was the only woman, not to mention the only tourist in the room. Uh, all eyes were on us and I think a lot of people were a little confused as to our intrigue to walk in and sit ringside. At the back of the room, in one of these preparation stations, there were two gentlemen sitting with full medic kits. I'm talking bandages, soaking pads, antibacterial and alcohol and stitching materials. As each chicken came out, whether they be the winner or the loser, two gentlemen were sitting there calmly stroking the chickens. There was something very compassionate and oddly calming about watching the way that these men cared for their chickens. Yeah, you know what really caught my attention was some of the men out the back that had their chickens there pre or post fight were holding their chickens almost like you would a small child or a puppy and stroking them like endlessly. As a Westerner we generally tend to consider this to be a, like a very brutal and violent happening. There's an obvious compassion and love from the owners of the chickens. I'm sure by this point of the story, you've probably already made your own mind up about cockfighting as a sport, but stick with me for just one more minute. We would like to introduce you to Jeremy Palau. He had eight fighting roosters, but now, thanks to bird flu, he only has three. He gave us a rundown about the training involved and why cockfighting is an important part of his livelihood. The rooster, the rooster, they felt tired, you know? Always like in that. <laughs> so they, they, the roster, they get the uh, resist, resistance. The chicken, comfort the, the human, like a, they playing a, a boxing, a boxing. It seems to train. They need uh, resistance, energy, you know. Yeah. It's yeah. same. Yeah, yeah, it's same. Yeah, same. <laughs> same training, you know. They need also like exercise. We have a running fin, flying fin. So how do you know when this cock is ready for a fight? We schedule uh, the last inject like three days before fight. So uh, three days no no vitamins, no inject. So it's rest. The fighting cock, if they are ready to, uh, they are conditioned. So every uh, like 15 days, Try out, you know, despite, despite the, the other uh, roster. Without the knife, just only gloves, just only gloves. So sometimes I, I, I pray, 
maybe I, I want to win. Jeremy said that owning roosters can end up costing more than caring for a child. There's the cost of feed, vitamins, steroids, and not to mention the registration fee on the day of the fight. 3,300. You have a three rooster. You need to pay in the, uh, in the management like 9,000. Uh, yes, three, three. 9,900. Do people often win a lot of money and lose a lot of money at the cockfights? Yes. Both? Yeah, if you are lucky, you have more fighting cocks. So every fight you beat like a 5,000, so every fight you win. Yeah, so you, you win like a 5,000 every fight. It depends uh, how much you beat your fighting cock. We explained to Jeremy that in most parts of the world, cockfighting is illegal. And when we asked him if he thought the sport was cruel, he said no. That's uh, like the, that is our like uh, cultural, yeah. yeah. It's a part of our cultural, yeah, yeah. your weekend. We had a lot of tour guides in the Philippines. Some of them cost us money. Diaglos, though, was by far the best. He's in year five, and when we went to visit the Zodiac Falls, he just appeared at the top of the trailhead. He led us down the path. He said, do you want the easy path or the adventure path? <laughs> we took the easy path. <laughs> down to the falls. When we got down there, he showed us how to do a backflip. He offered to share some of his mango with us. Great kid. Great tour guide. I thought he was out to make a buck, but he wasn't. He just wanted to show off his neck of the woods. He was so proud of the falls, and he couldn't wait to get us down there and show it to us. Mm, not to mention offering us a live kitten as we left. Yeah, that was weird. Um, <laughs> him and his friends turned up with a bucket full of kittens on the way out, mm-hmm. like you get a free one for visiting the falls. We had no place for a kitten. Mm-hmm. I don't think our guest house would have <laughs> truly appreciated a brand new kitten. No, not for a moment. Honestly, Nick, I just think the people were my favourite part of the Philippines. They were incredibly warm and people would just walk up to you to have a chat because they can. And for the most part, people just wanted to tell us about their country or about their island or about their culture. The people were so beautiful. At one point, a gentleman even just spoke fluent Filipino to me. I had no clue how to respond, but apparently he was telling me about a basketball game. That was so good. (laughs) Gab was stuck next to this fellow for like half an hour or 40 minutes, and he was just talking at her incessantly and wouldn't stop. (laughs) And she was looking at me saying, can you help? Like, I can't help. I don't speak Filipino. (laughs) And little kids were laughing that I had no clue, but I was too polite to say stop to this man. And he wasn't doing anything harmful. If anything, women were coming up to me saying... He's harmless. <laughs> he had a lot to say about the basketball, and you were trying to communicate. It just didn't really happen. But he was so into the game, and he wanted to share it. Mm-hmm. But this was 
every single person that we met in the Philippines. Kids would run out onto the street to give you high fives. Everyone wanted to have a joke. Everyone wanted you to just come up and say hi. We made friends with trike drivers. We made friends with anyone we met on the street. People even helped us figure out how to open up our scooter when we didn't know where the petrol went. The people in general were just incredibly warm. They were incredibly generous. And overall, they were just really proud. And they are so cheeky too. Do not be afraid to have a joke with them because they will have a joke with you, if not a joke at your expense. One thing I did notice about the people that really amazed me was we never got charged a tourist price for anything. Any of the shops we went into, if we had to get fuel for the scooter, everything was charged at the same rate as local people, which is a relief because it's not like that in a lot of the world now. As soon as you turn up as a foreigner, the prices sometimes doubled, sometimes even tripled. Mm. If anything, Nick, I think there was one point in time where you even felt culture shock. The people of the Philippines were that nice to you. Yeah, look, this was about day two. I was still kind of acclimatising to the <laughs> Philippines. When we were standing on the back of the scooter and this guy walked up and put his hand out, he introduced himself and said, come back to my house for dinner. Yeah, just here. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm Justino Lontayao. I'm from uh, San Antonio Siquijor. I was born here in San Antonio Siquijor. This is my home place. And then now I am Australian citizen, but it's nice to back here in my hometown to celebrate our big celebration for the town pista. So now I meet Australian guy, uh, Nick and Gabriel. So I met in the church, so I chat with them, and then I invited them to my place. And then we ate, and then they enjoy here having looking all people eating without invitation. Okay? Yeah. Yes. What is the fiesta all about? Uh, we are here celebrating the feast of Saint Anthony. This is our patron saint here in San Antonio. And all my brothers and sisters in Canada, they are coming here, but we did not expect that we have going to have a reunion. But we just, go, we just be here and then celebrate the celebration of the town pista of San Antonio. Yeah. So we're standing out front of a house. The gentleman that lives here, his name is Justin, and he invited us back to his house and he said to us, later on, we're having the fiesta. So we've come back into town and there are cars parked all along the street walking into this property. I actually don't think they're expecting us to come back, but here we are. I can hear the karaoke machine. So we should walk in? Yeah, let's do it. Oh, yeah, okay. We've got nothing to lose. (laughs) Have you been brushing up on your karaoke skills? You know that's a big part of Fiesta. (laughs) (laughs) A couple of strange looks as we came in. I don't know if we met any of those people earlier today. There we go, there's one. Hello! <laughs> How was your trip? Terrific. You've changed your shirt. Oh, of course. It's warm weather. So yeah. most things. We, we went exploring, we met some lovely people, it was very nice. Very nice. Yeah, lots not, of lovely people. But not ugly. Look how many people you have here. Ah, this is just only the first part. This is the More beginning. coming. Yeah. This is like, uh, like a city now. And you know all these people? Huh? You know all these no, people? No, 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 no. Ah. That makes three of us. So, you're hungry now, huh? Grab a plate to eat and drink. So, we're going to go inside the house and have a look and see what's going on. It smells amazing. It smells amazing. So, what can you tell me about the spread, Gab? Um, I found the pig that I met before. Yeah. This side is a little bit good. Okay. 
That's, that's the, the skin. skin. I like the skin. Yeah. Oh my god. Okay. Maybe you don't like it. I'll try bits and pieces. Mm. Do you want to yeah. play that for me and I'll give it to you? Oh man, this is crazy. <laughs> There's too much for you. There's a lot of porky. I feel so wrong right now. As a vegetarian, you pick meat straight from I'm the pig. I'm picking meat straight from the pig. This is, um, but like if I don't, he was watching me, so like it would be really rude if I just stood here, wouldn't it? So tell me before I try, what's in the blood pudding? Uh, if I tell you, I think you don't eat. So, Gabby, how was your pork? That may have been one of the most uncomfortable experiences of my life. <laughs> Justin was so sweet. He was so excited to introduce us to his family and take us around his house to all of his grandchildren. But then he watched me try and eat a pork spring roll. <laughs> They were really good, and I know, because I ate yours. I ate almost all of the pork that was dished onto your plate. Mm -hmm. uh, every time Justin turned around, Gab would just do the little switcheroo and sweep all the pork <laughs> off onto my plate, and suddenly I had a massive serving of pork, far more than I needed. As a vegetarian, though, how did you find the food in the Philippines? I will admit most of the menus were based on chicken and rice and noodles, but as we moved our way through different islands, one thing that stood out was banana flour. As a veggio, this was basically like the pulled pork of vegetarian food. I have no clue how to explain it. It's the giant flour at the bottom of the banana hand or mm. the finger of bananas. The bulb sort of thing. The giant it's purple bulb. Yeah. yeah, you cut that off. And I don't quite know what they do with it to make it so delicious. They soak it with some spices. They crush it into a curry or... Or a hamburger patty, oh my god, I'm salivating. It's not for lack of trying. I think every time you, you ordered it, we asked the chef what they do with it, and <laughs> nobody would share the secret. No. Food, of course, in the Philippines was pretty good. It's mm -hmm. not the biggest draw card, though. If you come to the Philippines, for the most part, you're probably coming to do some snorkeling or some scuba diving. Where we are in Caron, far north of Palawan at the moment, is known for shipwrecks from World War II. There's even a plane that has sunk around here somewhere. Mm -hmm. It is a huge draw card. In fact, anywhere in the Philippines, snorkeling and scuba diving are the main attractions. But I'm going to jump up on my soapbox real quick, Nick, oh. because something I would like to mention is not what's under the water, but in fact what's floating on top of it, plastic. Now, I know that this is a little bit of a buzzword all over the world at the moment to talk about plastic waste and what we should do with it, and the Philippines is no exception. So much packaging here is in single-serve packages, things like coffee or sugar or little cereal boxes are small plastic packages and they are everywhere. In fact, in Koron, for example, we were actually told by one guy who we were sea kayaking with that every single year the amount of plastic doubles in the ocean, which is horrifying. But there are parts of the Philippines that are working really hard to change that. Camigin, for example, has banned plastic altogether. And even in El Nido, we had people passing us paper bags and there was a ban on straws in lots of different islands as well, introducing bamboo straws. The people have been really proactive in trying to ban plastic or limit it, especially with an influx of tourism. So something I would really recommend to a lot of people who are coming to visit the Philippines is to support that. Bring your own water bottle. There are filters, water filters, in most guest houses so you don't have to buy plastic bottles everywhere you go. The Philippines are working really hard to limit their plastic and I think as a tourist we should be supporting that a little bit more. It's kind of sad when you do snorkelling, when we did a fair bit of it whilst we were here, 
to be sort of taken to that underwater world of beautiful fish and coral and then to turn around and see like a single serve coffee packet sitting in the water that is starting to fade because it's been there for so long it really brings you back to a reality which is entirely preventable. Mm. Even diving with sea turtles and we were able to pull a massive plastic sheet off a piece of coral. Yeah, all the guides we went with were very appreciative. If you are Mm. down there, you want to pick up a couple of bits of plastic, by all means do so because there is so many out there. Any little bit that you can do definitely helps. Um, And don't let it put you off snorkeling or scuba diving there either because it is one of the best locations in the world to do so. If you are going to do a lot of snorkeling in particular, I'd probably recommend bringing your own snorkeling gear. We did a lot of snorkeling and every time you hire it, that, that value just adds up and you can buy a cheap snorkeling set at home or even when you get there to use and before you leave, just give it to one of the local kids. Now, if snorkeling's not your thing, scuba diving's a bit too passe, a little bit too easy, <laughs> there's one more way you can see what lies beneath the surface of the ocean. If only you can hold your breath for long enough. My name is Alma, uh, I'm 38 years old, French. <laughs> I've been a free diving instructor for over three years now. Uh, I've been mainly working in Thailand, in Bali, and it's been now like a few months that I'm living in Koron, Philippines. So free diving, it's basically uh, diving without any equipment, meaning that we're gonna hold our breath uh, and go down, staying like underwater. Um, yeah, basically without using any like oxygen or like gear, like scuba diving. The concept to me of holding my breath and convincing myself to go from 12 to 40 metres without needing to suck in any kind of oxygen is terrifying. How do you convince yourself that you don't need air? The main point is to learn proper breathing techniques before so that you actually relax yourself. And you're going to see that if you actually relax yourself, know the proper technique of going down, then you're gonna start to forget about breath hold, forget about time and forget about depth. And this is exactly what you want to do. As soon as you start to think in the first place of depth or time or breath hold, you're gonna maybe like you like panic. But if you just forget about it and focus on your sensation and the relaxation, then it's gonna be much easier and nicer for you. What does it feel like for you to stand, basically be standing on the bottom of the ocean? What does that feel like? It's really like pure freedom. I mean, it's like just you and yourself and the blue. And this is absolutely amazing. There are like quite a lot of places now in the Philippines because the good thing with Philippines is that you have very easily access to depth. So people like it at least like a lot like for training. So you will have probably, uh, I don't know, like Cebu, Mobile, Boho. But here as well in Coron, it's... Like, for instance, the place where we go is uh, what we call the Barracuda Lake. And this is a crazy, amazing place because you will only find this kind of place, I mean, here, not in any other part of the world. It's like fresh water, like no waves, no current, no jellyfish, a thermocline of 38 degrees, which is like you will never find that nowhere. So like to learn and start freediving, especially if you're a little bit afraid of water, this is the perfect condition because you will have like not rough sea as you may have in the open ocean and the open sea. This is why I would definitely recommend uh, Koron as a, as a very, very good place to start freediving.
I desperately want to give free diving go. We just don't have any time left. We've got less than 48 hours. I absolutely think that Cron is the place to do it, though. So, Nick, we're basically going to have to come back. Yeah, we'll put it at the bottom of the list after everywhere else in the world. The bottom of the list? It's a long list. <laughs> So that's pretty much our month here in the Philippines. That's a couple of our experiences, our highlights, a couple of pitfalls along the way. Mm. But there are so many places we didn't even make it to. We never even touched the north of the Philippines. Along the way, we've met plenty of other travellers who saw a lot more than we did. And we've been asking them, what is the one thing that you shouldn't miss when you come to the Philippines? For me, CWC Wade Park in Naga, if anybody's into cable riding or any sort of like extreme sports like it, it's it's a really well set up place like sort of resort style um the people that work there are some of the most lovely people that i've honestly come across in the philippines i'd say get a bike and explore every place by yourself from where you've been so far where would you suggest people absolutely have to go Green. green. Yeah. Big enough that there's a lot to do. You can you can enjoy yourself for at least a week or so, but yeah. it's tiny enough that it feels like homey and yeah, exactly. uh, yeah just cozy. So, what is the best place that you've been to in the Philippines? I went to Boracay a few years ago, and it was uh, it's very touristy. Hopefully, in 2019, it'll be back to normal. So. I would recommend getting together with locals and talking to them and seeing what they their opinions are on what they love most about the Philippines or their favorite places. When I came and visited my family, they took me to amazing islands and two of them were very, very nice. One was Kalangaman Island and the other was Kanigao Island. Over there you can have the most amazing seafood you've ever tasted for so cheap. It's very beautiful. Overall, the Philippines has just been the most eye-opening experience and one of the best places I've ever been in the world. We have had the most fantastic time here. If anything, a month has just been far too short. We feel like there's so much more that we could have fit in there. But it's okay because we're coming back. Yeah, we're coming back. We've already established that. Because it's on the record now, we have to do it. Before we go today, we want to share with you some music, though. Uh, when we went up to Zodiac Falls, like we mentioned earlier, we were driving up the hill through a very small neighbourhood, little village, we heard this thumping, drumming music, and I thought it was like somebody in a car blasting music out of their stereo. <laughs> but as it turned out, there were a bunch of guys in their front yard, and they were playing this music with all these homemade drums and bits of pipe and all sorts of stuff. They don't even have a name, but they invited us into their front yard to sit for as long as we wanted to and just watch them and listen to the music they were making. It was absolutely phenomenal.
You've been listening to Where Are You Taking Me? I'm Gabby Lyons. And I'm Nick King. Thank you so much for listening to our very first episode from the Philippines. For more, you can find us on Instagram at Where Are You Taking Me Pod. Original song K22 in today's episode was written and produced by Electro. You can hear more from him on all streaming services. Gab, we also want to thank everyone that appeared in today's episode for taking the time out of their lives to speak to us. We really appreciate it. Absolutely. This podcast would be nothing without the people we're meeting along the way. Now, Nick, we have a plane to catch in less than 48 hours, so hit subscribe to find out where we're taking you next time. Story. No, you are you not. I'm not recording this. <laughs> I am recording this. It's been two hours. What's happened? Sweet FA. Nothing has happened. Um, a handful of vans have passed by that we've asked if they can give us a lift in. Oh, no, too full. Oh, no, no space. Oh, a different destination. It looks like most of our bus motor has been pulled to shreds. How does that make you feel? <laughs> Uh, my patience is gone now. I'm done. <laughs> is there anything else you'd like to add? <laughs> no, we're not using this tape. We are. We're not. We're definitely using this. I'm grumpy and I don't like being grumpy. All into the the rescue van didn't do anything. The rescue van's just come and gone. It hasn't even stopped to speak to our driver. Well, he's not like a bus rescue van. It wasn't some sort of bus-related superhero inside that was going to get out and save the day. <laughs> I kind of feel like that was just a guy who decided to put rescue on his truck. End of story. <laughs> that is definitely the kind of thing that would happen in the Philippines. Of course it would happen in the Philippines. <laughs> <laughs>